Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the light emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah. I'm listening Everybody, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott, and I'm Lee. And today we got a special guest on the episode of the Youth Ministry series. This is episode two of the series, and we are joined here by Josh McFerrin. Uh, McFerrin, yep, McFerrin. you're close, close. McFerrin, <laughs> ah, I want to put an S on it so bad. Yeah, um. don't worry. Like, apparently my mom did an ancestry thing, and she found out that my ancestors had McPherson. So technically it's right, but it's not right. Ooh. <laughs> oh, shoot. Man, Family. All them years lost, you know? See, it's not um. just Scott who can't spell. Yeah, <laughs> trust me. Ah, uh, man, that's crazy. So Josh McPherson. All right, Josh. Hey, so we met... So just a little brief, little little history. Me and him, we met at uh, Union Chapel. He came. He was invited um, by a friend of the church and was invited to give a presentation of his uh, um, organization that is getting involved in college ministry. And I felt like this was definitely directed towards like an episode in our youth ministry series. I was like. I got to have this guy on. My wife tried talking me out of it the whole time. I was sitting there listening to his speech and uh, she's like, please don't embarrass me. And I'm like, I'm going to ask him the question. I'm definitely asking him to be on guys' Bible. So uh, (laughs) that's where it went. And now here we are. So right on. All right. So Josh, go ahead and tell him a little bit about yourself and what, what you're a part of. Well, I'm glad you went for the shameless plug. Thank you for thank you for having that boldness that uh, and just went right past your wife. So props <laughs> to you for that. Um, yeah. So my name is Josh McFerrin. Um, I am on staff with a campus ministry uh, organization called H2O Church. Uh, you're probably wondering why the heck is our name H2O? Um, you know, you might be saying, OK, is that an attempt to be kind of a trendy name? And I mean, it kind of is. But at the same time, um, we get the name um, H2O. <laughs> from the story in John chapter four, where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And he tells her uh, that, you know, uh, he who continues to drink the water from this well will continue to thirst, but he who drinks the water that I give will no longer thirst. And so I think the big reason that we go by that name is because we're a campus ministry organization and the university is a very, very fantastic place for students to find their identity and so many other things that aren't Christ. Um, Whether they're, you know, believers coming into college or the non-believers, it's really easy to wrap your identity in so many other things that 
you know, the college campus can offer. And that can lead to, well, first of all, a lot of sin, but also a lot of brokenness and hurt. So uh, we want to be able to point people back to the living water, the water that truly satisfies. Uh, and that's the water that um, Jesus provides through his gospel, through the truth. Um, and yeah, so that is the campus ministry organizations uh, that I'm a part of. Um, we have 10 total churches on uh, 10 college camp, 10 major college campuses. Um, that's kind of our goal. We plant churches on major college campuses. And my right wife and I are a part of a team that's going to be planting a brand new uh, church in our network. Uh, I'm not leading this plant. Uh, some people have asked me that. Uh, I am still very young, not there yet. Uh, but we are a part of this plant of about 10 to 12 total people. And we are planting at Ohio University this upcoming fall. And we are really excited about this. We are like, we are so insanely stoked. We cannot wait to move down there and just spend time just reaching out to college students, you know, evangelizing, um, serving the community um, of the city of Athens and, you know, all ways that we possibly can. And so um, the way that we operate is also, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with H2O, um, we operate a little bit differently from some other ministries such as Crew or Young Life, which for the record, we love. We love that they are also on mission on uh, college campuses or towards youth. Um, but the re- but the way we operate is a little bit differently in the sense that we identify as a local church as well as a student organization. Uh, we have a pastoral team, a board of elders, uh, everything that a traditional local church has. Uh, but we're also a student organization. So we're able to ha- do everything that a traditional local church does uh, on the college campus. And so, yeah, that's, right a, that's, a, that's a very brief uh, version of what we're doing. But yeah, really stoked to be a part of this. I am praying on being on staff for a couple of years, my wife was doing the same. Uh, we just got married this past August, which was really congrats, awesome. Congrats. Her name's, her name's, yeah, her name's Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, her name's Natalie. She's awesome. Um, and we're both going to be on the staff team together. Uh, we both were student leaders with H2O at Bowling Green State University um, for like the past like three, three and a half years. Um, that's where we first got plugged into H2O. Uh, they were the very first church in our network as well. So in 1984, they were uh, planted. And then we've done a lot of church planting, uh, mainly in the uh, mid to late 2000s. So it's been really awesome. I'm wow. really excited to be a part that's of it. Awesome. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I was when you first first got up there and told me that your uh, your name was H2O, I was immediately what popped in my head was definitely not that verse. Um, it was definitely more water boy, but, uh, <laughs> I wish I, at, to a biblical sense, I should have had that verse pop to my head, but I don't know why my mind drifted for a sense. I was like, Oh, he must not like Gatorade. So, uh, but anyways, so, but yeah, so what's cool is you guys are really attacking at, um, really high popularity schools that are really yeah. known for it's, uh, night night theme uh party type of atmosphere right mm. um ohio state university ohio university is one of the top five in the country um for the top party states in the united states am i correct um i think so so for a while uh yeah. you know it's hard it's hard to rank like i don't know how you rank that like just not not sure how exactly that's measured but I, from what i've seen <laughs> I, I, yeah it's no been, idea like, it was like one of the top ones. I, I found this one website where I think it was like, it was always top two, but I think recently it's dropped a little bit. So clearly someone's slacking off in their game, but uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's got quite, if you, ask, if you ask I knew, anyone. I knew it was a party school because I'm a Miami university grad oh, and okay. the campus, the campus would empty out around Halloween. 
so everybody could go to Athens for the Halloween party. So I'm like, Miami was already pretty much a party school. And if everybody's leaving to go to their party, it, it must really be a party school. <laughs> yeah, it was a, um, it, it definitely does have that reputation. Like a lot of times when I'm sharing what I'm doing with people, I ask them like, you know, uh, do you know anything about Ohio university or Athens? And like one of the first things that if, if they're familiar with the area, it's always party school. And granted there are more things that are, um, the basis for why we want to plant at Ohio university. Um, not just, you know, the facts of party school. Um, but that definitely is a big, uh, thing that the campus is known for. Yeah. But no, Athens I think, uh, is, is full of many gods. Is it not? Yeah, no, I, I think definitely, you know, every college campus, every, you know, when I, when we use the term many gods, you know, the reality is, you know, our entire world consists of so many different gods that people seek to worship, whether that's the, you know, the God um, of, you know, oneself or people want to, you know, you know, do what pleases them more than anything else. It's um, various other gods, but definitely in the city of Athens, um, we, we've, I found a statistic that roughly 80% of the population of the city of Athens um, identifies as non-religious. And, you know, I don't want to say like that, that oh, statistic, wow. I don't want to say that statistic, like, you know, is necessarily 100% accurate because, you know, with the other 20%, one, we don't know where the state of people's hearts were when they took that survey. And also on top of that, um, yeah, we don't know where their hearts have been at since then. So um, there definitely is, yeah. um, there definitely are a lot of challenges down there. Uh, we've even heard from, uh, my wife actually heard from someone uh, that uh, Athens was actually referred to as a church planting graveyard at one point. And so, yeah, it's going to be a oh, bit of a mercy. challenge, but we're stoked. Yeah. Here, here's the actual, um, so, so I'm glad you actually brought that up um, because I actually did some research in a about Athens and uh, definitely contacted like one of my uh, contacts uh, over the weekend um, who's in cahoots with, um, oh, ooh, I lost his organization. Um, oh, Barnes. Um, what is that one? What is that organization that he's a part of? Yeah, Barton. He's part of Barna Group. Um, but he's actually done a study over, um, Ohio and its territory. And Athens is actually up in the 84% of non-religious. Um, wow. He says it is, it is continually to grow um, because of its, it's such a secular base area and mm. a culturally diverse area. So a lot of different cultures are within that area and uh, yeah. coming from all over the United States. Um, so you're getting a lot of um, rebellion within that area of mm. the gospel itself. So I guess when you said that you heard that it was a, a church graveyard, church planting graveyard, um, that kind of resonated and kind of made it, these numbers really feel really close. And uh, mm. I, I'm really, that, 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 that's daunting, you know, when you're taking yeah. on this type of challenge. Um, as a young man and a newly newly wed, you and your wife and these twelve others are taking on this challenge to go into the trenches of of Athens, not not Greece, but uh, Athens, where uh, in Ohio, where these college kids are being um, indoctrinated into the worldly perspective of what a human being should believe, think, 
and and no. Um, so these are going to be our future voices in society. These are going to mm. be our future doctors, our future leaders um, that you're going to be coming into contact with. So as as you prepare to go down into this, um, what do you mostly see that the church today has done incorrectly in attacking these certain areas? What mm. What do you feel like is working best for your group going forward into this type of situation? Mm. I think one of the things uh, that has really been helpful for uh, the amount of, you know, I hate to use the word successful, but successful evangelism that has been going on in our church network, a lot of it is very relationship-based. And I think one of the things that, uh, one of the other reasons that we love um, you know, John chapter four so much is when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, um, you know, he was, first of all, he was getting to know this woman. He was interacting with her. And then he also afterwards uh, proceeded to challenge her um, going after that and being able to, and also just plan up said, you know, he is the son of God. And so just kind of with that uh, experience, we look at that a lot as a way that we are able to get into conversations with college students, wanting to seek to get to know them, wanting to um, hear their stories and be able to share that with them. And then being able to then kind of lean into that, um, turning the conversation a little bit more spiritual and then being able to share about the hope that is in with, that is uh, within us. And I think that's been the way that a lot of these really fruitful conversations have been Uh, because regardless of, um, you know, whether, you know, people come to know, you know, Jesus through H2O or not, um, one of the things that we really want them to understand is that, you know, we want them to know that we love them, we see them, and we hear them, and we believe that, you know, the God of the Bible loves them as well, and we want to be able to share that hope with them. My wife pretty much says that in exactly those words um, a lot, and, you know, I feel like that's a really good way of explaining um, a lot of the motivations behind how we uh, do a lot of outreach. A lot, It's very uh, relationship-based. Um, one of the mottos of our church network is uh, inviting people to find and follow Jesus together. Um, because even though we want people to seek the Lord first and foremost, we also want them to be able to seek him in community. Uh, like the book of Acts and the book of Hebrews, they talk about the disciples and believers getting into the habit of meeting with one another. And so we really want to live that out to its fullest extent. And when we find that when we have these, uh, when we invite people in intentional community, knowing that they're surrounded by people who can encourage them, who love them, that really starts to kind of soften their hearts a little bit. And I think that's been one of the things that has been really helpful. I think, um, yeah, I would say that I would say when it comes to, you know, other churches that maybe are having challenges with reaching out to certain groups of people. Um, in some cases we want to look to certain trends to try to draw people in. Um, but the best way that we're able to, you know, do a lot of, uh, bringing people in is through a lot of reaching out and through a lot of just building those kinds of relationships. And so I think that's something that, um, you know, we definitely want to continue to grow in and continue to, uh, do as a church. Right. So your, your, your main focus is to go out and to go out into these areas, even, even during the parties. I, I remember you talking about making, making pancakes for these guys yeah. <laughs> as they're, they're coming through, which I, which I think great. I, I mean, you're actually getting involved. You're actually putting yourself out there and uh, trying to be a face um, amongst, the people who are 
you're trying to guide them, guide them back, you know, guide them back in instead of the blind leading the blind. Um, yeah. So you, you're, you're trying to be the light out there um, within this dark area um, that is so enticing. So uh, um, it draws you in and the peer pressure that you feel as a college student um, um, could be even detrimental to one's personality completely. Uh, mm. where you could be guided into situations where you really had, were never prone to ever indulging in during your high school years. Uh, yeah. So it definitely expands your horizon as you enter college. Um, yeah. And which is, which is very devastating to the, the Christian family because a lot, of, a lot of kids are actually leaving the faith as they've gone to college. And this is where a lot of a lot of things that we need to question as a church about how we move forward and how we train up our youth within the church to go into college and be these same light like like what h two o is doing here mm. um to be that in in the college campus um that way there's still beacons of light dispersed throughout college campus. And I think what you guys are doing is very, very bold. Um, you guys are actually stepping out in your faith. You guys are willing to go into these areas that a lot of Christians um, within the church are not willing to go. Um, they don't, they don't want to go into a college campus and uh, approach many, many young adults and have awkward conversations about um, different theories of like um, genders, social social justice issues. Um, you, you could get tied into all kinds of relevant propaganda that is going on within society um, that could drag you down a rabbit hole, and you just don't really know how to answer or respond. Um, yeah. And you feel ill-equipped, is what I should say, um, for for certain situations. Um, have you had any like awkward, awkward or weird conversations about your uh, when they're questioning your faith and whether or not it is true? Hmm. Yeah. So I think so. One thing I would like to preface. Um, so I I I won't go into my whole story, but basically. Um, I was in, when I got to college, I was a believer for about three years at that point. And my whole first semester, however, now that I was kind of on my own, I was away from the local church I had got, uh, become a part of. Um, I really began to wrestle with a lot of really tough questions about theology, uh, whether the Bible's true, reliable, those kinds of things. And so pretty much everything that you said about, like, you know, you know, when people ask those kinds of really tough questions, that's become a really big passion of mine. And I would definitely be lying if I said I knew everything. I clearly do not. Um, but uh, I think that's one of the big passions that I've just learned to develop is just helping other college students wrestle with those kinds of big uh, questions that they might be having, um, whether it's like misconceptions about Christianity, asking why do we believe this or that, or how do we even know the Bible is true, like you said. Um, I think when it comes to um, specifically, you know, when, when, when we get into those conversations with students about, you know, how do we know the Bible is true or our faith is true, um, you know, I think – there, first of all, we can, we can share about our stories. We can share about 
um, you know, what God has been doing in our lives. I think a lot of times in a very experience based uh, culture, um, that can't be something that is very powerful. But at the same time, you know, experience does not triumph truth. And so at the same time, we want to make sure that we are also um, explaining, you know, why we believe, um, you know, Jesus to be the son of God um, objectively, not just with our own personal experiences. I think um, the ways that I've helped other college students wrestle with that objectively is just taking them through the text, being able to um, take them through some of their misconceptions or asking them, hey, why do you um, why do you not believe this? And then being able to kind of like uh, work through each of those little misconceptions that they, they have. And along right. the, and while they're going through that, you're also pointing them back to Jesus. And so I think through that. So I think that's been the best way I've been able to have those conversations. Um, and on top of that, you know, when it comes to like specifically like moral kinds of questions, like, you know, why do you believe this or why, why does God view this um, thing X, Y, Z um, this certain way, or why is this a sin? Why is this not a sin? Whatever the reason when that question gets brought up, um, some of the things that one of the ways I respond to students with, um, this has kind of been something that I think has given me a lot of peace when I was wrestling is okay. Eliminating that question that you just asked me for a hot second. If the God that we are speaking about is perfect in every way, if he is, um, you know, perfectly righteous, if he is holy and no one else is holy, if he is, um, all powerful, um, sovereign, you know, if he is all of these things, First of all, do we believe that? And if so, do we trust this sovereign God and this all-powerful God with his perfect, um, perfect view of, you know, this issue? And so I think that's been, you know, being able to be like, okay, you know what? I may not be able to give you the full explanation that you're looking for as to, you know, why this is the case. But, you know, if God himself believes this and this is what he is, um, you know, this is what he has ordained. This is what he has declared is right and wrong. You know, we can trust in that. We can rest in that. It might be hard for us to swallow sometimes, but because God is all knowing, even when we're not, we can kind of rest in that. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. That, that's that's great. And uh, Lee, do you got any questions? I do have a question, actually. I, uh, I'm very interested, Josh, in what you were saying about the emphasis of H2O on planting local churches um maybe you want to talk just briefly a bit about um where that uh where that conviction comes from in h2o and what if any particular fruits have come out of that dedication uh because i know i know there's there's red tape that has to be followed for a group to be an on-campus club or group um what kind of red tape at the same time has been avoided by planning the local church uh, and using that to minister on campus? Yeah. So I think, I think first of all, um, some of the fruit that we've, well, I guess I'll start with the red tape. Um, The biggest thing is that um, yes, these are public universities, but because they're public universities, um, they do have to allow religious organizations. And so that's kind of how we're able to um, be able to operate. In addition to that, it's also been just very, um, We've also prioritized building relationships with the universities. Um, we have a really great relationship um, with Bowling Green State University. Like where we, we love them up there. It's been really awesome uh, having been around since 1984. And so being able to build those relationships on top of, you know, being allowed to be a student organization really allows us to 
um, even if people fundamentally disagree with us, still kind of admire us as an organization. So I think that's been a really great way that we're able to um, maintain our status as an organization. But on top of that, in terms of the fruit, um, you know, I think, first of all, one of the things that we really challenge the students in our church to do is, you know, we really we want to live the Great Commission out to its fullest extent. And sometimes when we think about making disciples, we think about, you know, obviously, first of all, obviously evangelism and reaching out. And those are, you know, 100 percent important. But on top of that, we want to challenge these people that we're making disciples of to then go out and make more disciples. And that's how, you know, the early church was able to multiply. And that's how um, we, you know, are looking to multiply um, as just a piece of the body of Christ. You know, we've seen our, our church, our churches, specifically Bowling Green is really big, um, grow over the years. And then also we've been able to um, raise up people who feel led to church plant on other college campuses. And now we have seven uh, campuses in the, well, seven churches on seven different campuses in the state of Ohio. And then we have uh, one at Western Michigan, one at Indiana Bloomington, and then weirdly enough, the University of Central Florida. So we are kind of all over the <laughs> Wow. Um, I don't know a ton about the uh, University of Central Florida one, but I do know we're down there. And I know that on all the maps I have, it doesn't include them because it would just like stretch the map out so much. But uh, yeah, so that's, I think it's been just a really cool thing to see is just how uh, we really value, you know, you know, proclaiming the gospel and then challenging others to go and proclaim it elsewhere, whether they go into the work workforce, wherever else, or to another college campus as a campus missionary, wherever they go. And so I feel like that would be the best answer I can get for that. How does H2O structure those churches as well? Did they, is it a plurality of elders kind of structure? Are there, are there, for lack of a better word, townies that get involved in the leadership or help mm-hmm. uh, in those churches? So kind of going through I, most of my experiences that I can kind of speak on behalf of come from uh, Bowling Green State University when I was a student leader. So in terms of how these other churches, you know, operate with like, you know, who is on their elder boards, I'm not sure like the specifics of who the, all these people are. Um, but what I will say is that each of these churches identifies as a local church. They have their own board of elders, their own pastoral team. Um, everything that a traditional local church has, I would say we have. Um, and uh, with my experience at Bowling Green, um, our board of elders consisted of um, our pastoral staff, if I'm not mistaken, as well as um, there were some people um, who were um, Bowling Green. Bowling Green's church was actually big enough that we had a city side um, where we had some adults that were still staying in the city and even some of the kids that they brought. Um, we'd have like Sunday services and gatherings for them as well. And they we've become very intertwined as a campus and a city. Uh, but there's also been definitely some. Um, older men who have been involved in the eldership in our church um, as well. So that's really awesome because I think there's something that gets missed uh, when when a, a, a gospel centered group is a, an on campus ministry only and not and it loses that local church aspect. Yeah. Because if we're trying to raise uh, not only uh, a generation of Christians but a generation of churchmen and churchwomen. Uh, then it, it seems to make sense that even for those who have not grown up attending church and being part of a church, you're already kind of building that muscle memory with them, uh, gathering with the local congregation on the Lord's Day and uh, on the other times that, that, that you get together for, for uh, different services. You're already building muscle memory uh, for when they leave campus. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been part of a church for four years. Where's my next church? Um, yeah. What, what church am I going to join next? 
I think that's really crucial. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure that that pays dividends, <laughs> so to speak, uh, as far as the fruitfulness of the ministry after those, those four years of undergrad. Yeah. When those kids move on to somewhere else. Yeah. I think that's been really cool with our network for sure. The, you know, we're not just like, you know, we want people to, you know, become followers of Jesus. But what's also been really cool about our church is we get to see, uh, we get to challenge the believers in our church to be missional on, on the college campus, whether that's evangelizing to you know their classmates or even partaking in a lot of the different uh, you know volunteer and service opportunities, even small group leadership and a lot of discipleship opportunities. We really give the students a lot of different ways to um, be involved, empowering them as missionaries um, in their own lives, and then that, I feel like that's going to translate really well uh, once they uh, go off into the uh, world, whether they. You know, become a full-time missionary or they just go into the workforce right on have you right on. In, in my last question kind of on this and, and we can we can move on if you want but the um have you noticed a difference uh in your experience uh with um with young people who are who have grown up in church versus the the kids that come to the church with no background, um, what, hmm. do they have they acted? Have they approached or reacted to messages or teaching differently? Um, I, sometimes I kind of wonder if the the church kids who have kind of been there and done that and kind of want to see what the what's going on with the world tend to tune out, uh, or whether. Or whether there's uh, a particular hunger from church kids that that may not bear out uh, in other groups. I'm just kind of curious what there, in your experience, what the what the differences in the uh, response is from the students mm. based on their own background. Yeah. So I think. So I think the best way I can answer that is, you know, we do have a lot of students who come from backgrounds where they've had. Um, various church experiences we've had and some who even like have distanced themselves and maybe they're trying to check out H2O for the first time. Um, and I think with those instances, um, I, I, I would say there are probably two different categories. There's one, um, one category where maybe um, students are, um, they left the church for, you know, whatever reason that they may uh, have felt that they didn't want to be a part of it, um, but it wasn't really on the church. And there might be another group where, uh, you know, there are students who are actually going through, uh, who went through some sort of church hurt. And so with those two different camps, I'd say, um, you know, there's a lot of relationship building that has to take place um, just to get to know the student and get to hear their experiences. And then once we kind of get to see where they've been, we can kind of, met, as we mentor them, kind of help them work through some of these um, concerns that they may be having, or in a lot of cases, misunderstandings about Christianity. Um, and then as for um, you know, students who have had zero experience, um, I think with them as well, there's a lot of misconceptions about Christianity as well. And so I think when it comes to, you know, both those groups of people, I definitely wouldn't say like I there's one specific response from, uh, you know, people who have been uh, raised up in church and then kind of left or people who have had zero church experience. But I think with both of those parties, there's a lot of misconceptions about Christianity. There's a lot of skepticism. And I think one of the things that our church does that's really cool is through the relationship building, be able to work through a lot of those things that they're processing. Awesome. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of it is a misconception with the Christian worldview. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of a lot of people include Christians and with certain sects and denominations within the evangelical realm um, and even cult realm, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Catholics. They all seem to collide them with, you know, um, Protestants um, with them different denominations and i think when you clear clear the the playing field and remove their diluted theology and incorporate a biblical foundation of biblical theology i think you're able to make a greater connection and i think that's what you guys are doing right um you're able to reconstruct the foundation that was previously laid in order mm-hmm. to build up a, a true and more sturdy foundation. Yeah, I would say that's through a biblical fun. perspective. Okay, so that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, let's see what else did I have? To ask you. Um, uh, I'm I'm curious. Uh, what maybe tell us a little bit more about what uh, drew you to uh, wanting to become part of the the church planning effort. I mean, I can understand mm. uh, having had the great experience you had in undergrad yourself, wanting to um, maybe support. But what what put you over the line to saying, "Hey, I want to be one of the ones going and planting a, a new church on, uh, near this campus"? What um what was that call like? Um, yeah. Where did that come from? Well, I think specifically, well, there's kind of two different answers to that. There's, you know, the why campus ministry and then kind of the why OU. And so maybe I'll start with the why OU. Um, with that case specifically, I have had um, no experiences down at Ohio University. I, uh, my wife has not really either. However, we do know people that have been down there and who um, we know and, we love, and in some cases, I we know people who were, when we were in high school with them, they were actively trying to seek the Lord. But once they got to college, they began to struggle a lot down there. And so that was one of the big reasons that our hearts really broke for the city. And also just the more we learn about it, um, we've really um, begin to have, well, our hearts are, are continue to break. Um, Athens is a really interesting uh, city because you have a campus that is very, uh, very young, very party heavy, um, very... Um, liberal as well, uh, very activist heavy. And then you have a city around it, which is like the polar opposite. It's very um, Appalachia. It's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Appalachia poverty down there, a lot of um, income struggles. And so there's kind of a, there's these two different culture clashes that are going on down there. Well, one big culture clash between two big groups of people. And so uh, that's just something that's really broken our heart. I even know um, in Joe Burrow's uh, Heisman speech, if you guys are big football guys, he, he was even raising awareness for uh, Southeast Ohio and how there's a lot of uh, struggles uh, down there with poverty. Just And that's actually somewhere he grew up. He uh, grew up like just outside of uh, Ohio University. We actually got to, we actually were in Athens yesterday and we drove by the uh, stadium that's now Joe Burrow Stadium. So that was super cool. Um, but yeah, so that's those are, I'd say, some of the big reasons. Um, and then specifically with college ministry, I think the doubts I really wrestled with were um, a big part of that just because 
I got to see other people who were you know, around my age struggling with the same kind of thing and realizing that, you know, it was very vulnerable. But I think also, you know, the stereotype that, you know, once students are in, you know, they're in youth group in high school and it's like there's so much emphasis on, OK, we got to prepare these students for when they get to college, when they because, you know, college will eat them alive or, um, you know, they're going to have a lot of really big struggles about their faith. And, you know, because of all these um, thoughts about, you know, college being just the, the toughest place for you know students to maintain their faith, we just want to offer them an opportunity to gather as believers and, you know, ha- surround them with people who are like-minded in the gospel and are like-minded in the truth. And so I think that's been just because I, I think it's just been one of the biggest reasons that campus ministry has just been, you know, such a big, um, such a big passion of mine. Also just through, I think, discipling a lot of guys in our church network, um, specifically at Bowling Green. It's been really cool to see. I've had some really hard conversations with some really uh, awesome guys who are at all ends of the spectrum. I've met some guys who had zero interest in Christianity, got to have long conversations with them. Uh, I've had, I've met with people who love Jesus and just want to be a part of a, uh, just be a part of a good, solid biblical church. And that's been really cool to see as well. Um, and I even like on mission trips that we went on, I, I think one of the most like most insane conversations I ever had, uh, we were on a mission trip with H2O uh, to Panama City Beach, Florida to uh, evangelize and give out free van rides through a really awesome van riding company to Spring Breakers. And I got into a conversation with a guy for about three hours about the reliability of scripture. And granted, I do not know everything on the subject, and I definitely uh, you know, needed to approach that with a lot of humility. But it was a very long conversation, even just through all of that. Like once I got out of that conversation, I was like, man, we had a really, really deep conversation about the gospel, about you know the reliability of scripture and about Christ. And you know, he's got a lot to think about when he's going back to school. And yeah, it just that that whole experience just really blew my breath away. And I just I I can't imagine myself doing anything other than this. That's awesome. That is definitely awesome. Well, dude, I am glad that your heart is called to do this. Um, and dude, I I I applaud you for uh, for walking in the trenches and and doing this. And I I pray that more will will rise up and, and join this cause and definitely um, just come into it uh, with a warm and humble heart, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I just pray that they, they preach the gospel and that we, we do it in a way that we're able to show them the truth instead of Bible beat them to death, you know, and mm-hmm. um, actually build relationships and, um, build build bonds that will last last forever and uh, yeah. be a remembrance to them for for the rest of their life. Um, yeah. So I pray that we uh, we definitely see some growth and uh, dude, I I pray for you and your wife as you guys go into this mission field, and I I pray that you're able to gain supporters and um. If if they are, if they want to join your cause and donate to your cause, where where would they go? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. So um, again, thank you so much. It's uh, and thank you for having me on as well. It's like it's truly an honor. I'm really I was really excited, um, and I'm also just really grateful that you know by God's grace I'm able, able to be a part of this. Um, the first thing I would suggest when you know if people wanted to you know support me in any way, 
um, they are welcome to, you know, reach out to me or reach out. Um, you know, I have social media. Um, Josh underscore McFerrin is my, yeah, it's my Instagram. And then I also have a Facebook. Um, Josh McFerrin's my name. You can find me there. Um, you're also free to uh, email me if you're interested in hearing more at uh, Josh period uh, McFerrin, M-C-P as in Paul, H-E-R-O-N, uh, at Reliant, R-E-L-I-A-N-T dot org. And you're welcome to reach out to me that way as well. Um, I'd love to get to know if anyone wants to hear more. I'd love to get to know you more and share a little bit more about what we're doing, answer any additional questions you may have. Um, but yeah, if you uh, wanted to support me as a missionary in any way, uh, the best way is through uh, Reliant.org. Um, is the missions Reliance the mission agency I'm a part of. Uh, they're technically who I'm employed by. And on Reliant.org's website, there is a missionary page. Um, well, there's there's a missionary search bar. Basically, you can type in my name. It's, it should be just Josh McFerrin. Um, and um, yeah, my name will pop up. And then there's a picture of me with my wife. And yeah, there's a, that's, if you wanted to give anything, whether it was recurring or, you know, one time, um, there are those options on the, um, once you hit the give now button on the left side of this, on the, of the webpage. But um, yeah, so basically uh, my wife and I are still finishing raising our support. We're hoping that we're praying to be done by April. Uh, the main way that we're raising support is through people who would be interested in supporting us monthly, but we do have people on our team at like any amount that you can imagine. And also we do have people who are, we do have a lot of one-time givers as well. So um, whatever your heart feels led to give, love to have you on my team. And I'd also love to get to know you more. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> right on, right on. All right, awesome, everybody. Uh, this is Guys with Bibles. I would like to offer you guys some uh, reading material. Definitely go and check out A Biblical Theology of Youth Ministry uh, by um, Michael McGarry and The Juvenilization of American Christianity by Thomas Burglar and Flawed Church, Faithful God and Reform Ecclesiology for the Real World by Joseph B. Small. Go check them out. Get them on Amazon. Um, definitely great read. Uh, probably be a continuous read because they just keep popping out stuff that you just didn't catch the first time. Also, check out Donovan Riley, Crucifying Religion, uh, How Jesus is the End of Religion. Uh, definitely a great book. Definitely get into them. And also check out our network, uh, The Bar. You can get on The Bar Network. Lee has all the information. Lee. It is all Lee. in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we lost him. Oh no. Sorry, I was on I muted myself there for a second, so I didn't uh, add any uh extra background sound to the track. But uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah um yeah, go to the yeah. show notes. Uh we we've got the link to the bar network in there, plenty of podcasts to subscribe to. Um you will benefit greatly. Um, and, uh, and we'll also make sure to put, uh, Josh's contact points in the show notes as well. So all you got to do is click, you can send him an email and ask him how much money he wants. So, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> <glad. laughs> no, really, truly, uh, Bell, I, mean, I am only half joking. Anyway. I am only half joking there, but, uh, we'd love to, to hopefully maybe get, get some extra help towards your ministry. Um, Absolutely. I know money will go a, a long way in your mission. So uh, I want to make sure that we make it as easy as possible for people to, uh, to show you some generosity as you head out to the mission field. So well, thank you so much, thanks, guys. Josh. That's really kind of you. <laughs> really great. Great to meet you. So glad to have you on. Uh, God bless you as you, uh, as you go forward.
Thank you guys so much. It's been it's been an honor. And yeah, I'm looking forward to keeping you guys posted on all God's doing in Athens. Absolutely, man. Stay in touch. Look forward to it. And this is Guys with Bible, and we are out. Thank you.